The rich put their money where their mouths are. On this week's Always Listening. Welcome to Always Listening. We're your hosts. I'm Joel. I still have my two cents. I'm Jay. <laughs> I gave mine away last week. Mm. Jay, I gave it. I gave it all away. I'm, I'm broke now. Mm. Uh, Jay, we, there's no preamble this week. No, we got to jump there's right no, into it. There's no sweet anecdotes. You and I have already had about a 20 minute heated conversation before we hit record here. So we want to dive right into it. What the heck are we going to talk about this week? I think anybody who's followed me online knows that w- what I'm going to talk about this week. Um, but uh, anybody in this space probably is at least a little interested in the announcement, the fallout, the reaction, and then what's going to happen moving forward. We're talking about the Podcast Academy, announced uh, this past week at Podca- Podcast Movement Evolutions in L.A. It's a first-year event, the secondary event uh, in the podcast movement ecosystem, uh, one that is more highly focused on the industry aspects as opposed to the DIY aspects, absolutely. It's got... Uh, I think several different tracks for different kinds of producers it, and it had, people that and are involved. It had a track but for the DIY people. Let's. It did. I don't want to be the, completely unfair to podcast movement but, evolutions. However, they are a key part of the issue that occurred with this announcement. Yes, if it was announced at the podcast at the overall podcast movement event, I think the the takeaways would have been a little bit different. Um, but so. We've got links in the show notes, uh, and we'll have the link for the... Jay, do you have the YouTube link in here, the actual video? Uh, it is included in James Cridlin's link. It's in James Cridlin's and link. I, okay, and I so. just want to say, I just want to start, because I already said words that might dictate as to where I'm heading. I want to let everyone know sort of how I approached this announcement. Mm. And that was, I saw all of the writing. I, I, I was actually away. Uh, with my wife enjoying a lovely Valentine's Day weekend. It was a fantastic time. And I've seen all these writings and I've seen a lot of the reaction because obviously I follow a lot of the same people on Twitter and on Facebook. And so I'd seen sort of the the vitriol, if you will, uh, to this announcement. And so I, I'm, a, I'm trying to approach this as open a mind as I possibly can. However, there are certain things that I saw in regards to how this all played out that I do think could have been handled better. Uh, and I do think still needs some working. And and we'll talk about that as we as we go along here. Yeah, absolutely. So, so my introduction to this announcement was Dave Jackson's uh, post about it, actually, and I, I thought, thought Dave Jackson, as always, is eloquent and poetic in his own way. He shared the. Um, I have some parts from Dave see, I Jackson's want to scroll response. All the way back. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> he shared the the Podcast Academy site, the actual site itself, directly, and just said, "This is BS." <laughs> And I, I didn't know anything about it at the time. I obviously didn't attend. You and I, we should say, neither one of us attended Podcast Movement Evolution. did not. Uh, for lots of different reasons, business and family uh, issues at this point in the calendar just didn't make it a, a good feasible event for us. Um, but if you go to the link, 
there's not a whole lot of information. It just says Academy memberships will be expect, accepted in spring 2020. Join our mailing list. Get the announcement to stay informed on all the Podcast Academy news. And then there was a link at the bottom with the latest news, Podcast Academy launches, and that's where the actual press release is. And you kind of scroll through and get the info there. So I read the info. I saw his reaction to it. And why Why does Dave say this is BS why was I so vitriolic to begin with? The number one issue that I had with it was it seemed to be replacing the Academy of Podcasters, which, which had it previously been an awards held, uh, an award show held at Podcast Movement that included the Hall of Fame ceremony. Which it will now, not. <laughs> you, it, yeah. So, so that what had happened here, and and actually, you know what? I'm going to go and and I'm going to read the actual response that uh, Dan Franks gave me. Um, because I think that is like, first of all, that's right from the horse's mouth, right? So I'm going to let him Dan, lay out Dan exactly Franks his thinking. Dan Franks also spoke on the podcast Business Journal, and they also released a statement. Um, there, there, so yes. there's a couple of issues in regard. Let's. I think we even need to go back even further, Joel, and I think we need to start really at the very beginning. And what is the Podcast Academy? And the Podcast Academy's launch was announced on Friday at Podcast Movement Evolutions. Uh, Hernan Lopez, who is the uh, head genius at Wondery, uh, was on stage and was making this announcement in a introductory speech. He brought on a couple of members of their board of governors to also include in the announcement of the launch. James Cridlin uh, was there to act as a moderator for a Q&A after the announcement was done. The Podcast Academy... Uh, <laughs> will include a board of governors of uh, 17. Uh, 11 people have been announced. Two have been asked and have yet to accept their invitation to become members of the board of governor. Uh, and that means there will be, if my math is correct, how many left after that? Five? Five, five more? Five yeah. more after that. Uh, or no, four more. Yeah, six and 11 is 17. Yeah, Emerson math, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, by the way, that will get to a point, too. I, I attended Emerson College, which happens to be a broadcasting university. Now, I know I attended there over 25 years ago. However, when we talk about education and the lack of training in the space, it kind of goes all the way back to there. If you want the training, it exists. Jumping ahead. Sorry about that. Uh, the current members uh, that were announced, and this isn't even all 11 of them. Uh, I should probably pull that up because all 11 are available to to look at. Uh, Donald Albright, who happens to be, uh, I believe, an African-American male uh, from Tenderfoot TV. Uh, they are behind the podcast Up and Vanished and Atlanta Monster. Eric Dean uh, from Stitcher. Uh, Anya Grunman from NPR. Carrie Hoffman from PRX. She is also happens to be on the board for the Peabody Awards. Courtney Holt from Spotify. Hernan Lopez, uh, interestingly enough, he's on the Board of Governors. Uh, I would hope the leader of this would be on the Board of Governors, I suppose. Christy Mirabel from Sony Music. Uh, Reka Murthy, and I apologize if I, you know, destroy your name, but I tend to do that. Uh, she is listed as an independent. However, if you go to her website, you will find that her past professional lives include Radiotopia, PRX, NPR, and web and mobile startups currently proud to serve on the editorial board of the Longest Shortest Time podcast and as an EXPLO trustee. I don't even know what that means, but I think you've already heard the key 
companies in there. Lauren Spohr of Criminal. Uh, that's part of the Radiotopia network from PRX. Aaliyah Tavakaloian. Sorry, Aaliyah. Uh, she's from Spoke Media. She was actually one of the people up on the stage. Uh, she was <laughs> she was introduced to us by James Cridlin, who said, you appear to be the smallest of the producers that are currently here on stage. However, when you go to Spoke Media's website, they have a very tight relationship with Wondery, have worked on some of Wondery's biggest shows, including Dirty John. That's what their website says. That's not me making something up. That's 100% what they say. Now, if they don't have as tight a relationship with Wondery, I would expect Wondery would put an end to that. But clearly, they do. Uh, the point of all of this is... On top of this news coming out, it was also announced that the IPA, not the beer, but the International Podcasters Association, uh, has disbanded. And that was a group of independent podcasters that started at PodFest, uh, which was supposed to do some of the same things that the Podcast Academy is hoping that they will be able to get done. Standards and practices, uh, the ability to, you know, argue as a trade organization and, and try to give some pushback occasionally against these big companies when they want to make drastic changes that would hurt us. Uh, I see it at the table. You know, that's what we've always been right. talking about, Jay, is we want some representative of truly independent podcasters in the room when Apple is making these broad swaths and announcements or when they're polling the industry. We know that NPR is there. We know that PRX is there. We know that Spotify is represented in those rooms. We know that Gimlet Radio, et cetera, et cetera, all these other entities, these large corporate-backed entities, they're having their voices heard. Even if they're not always respected by the larger companies, they are heard. We're not ever being heard. We're not asked to the party. And so that's the cloud of, of, of events that happened that led to, I think, the they're, they're in that in that cloud of events you can understand why independent podcasters would be expecting the worst. Right. And and I will say that my biggest criticism of the IPA was that most of the members of that particular organization were all buddy-buddy. They were all from the same group of independent podcasters. Understanding that their goals and their desires were for everyone, it was still very much just one particular group of people. And that is similar to what we're seeing here, except on a much larger, grander scale. And highlighting your point, Joel, doesn't feature a true independent person whatsoever currently on their board of directors or board of governors, as they are referring to it. And that is an issue. If they want to be whole inclusive, they need to accept that podcasting existed before NPR. Well, not technically, but <laughs> the podcasting community was not created by NPR. It was created by a whole group of people with very divergent points of view and very divergent means of monetization and very divert everything about podcasting is open and clear and divergent. And I will say to her credit that, uh, Carrie, uh, where is Carrie's last name? The, from PRX. Did I not list her on here? That's a shame. Uh, Hoffman. Thank you. Carrie Hoffman came off the best out of anyone that was up on the stage, uh, making the announcement about this. She said a lot of the right things about, wanting to make sure that this is very much inclusive of everyone, that this is an organization that will now be able to 
not only, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this, not only celebrate quality in podcasting, but we'll also, you know, highlight those that are behind the scenes that don't necessarily get the spotlight. Yeah, that's one of the things that Carrie mentioned specifically is that she was excited to to celebrate that long list of people that aren't the host effectively, you know, like the, uh, which I hear, hey, and look, that is an issue that these corporate folks face more than you and I, right? In our world, the vast majority of the effort that's put into the podcast is displayed somewhere in the metadata and or the show notes of the show. You know, even even in my case, like I'm an independent producer and consultant and I edit a lot of people's shows who I don't appear on those shows, but in many of those shows, they either list me in their show notes, this show edited and produced by Joel Sharpton or by Pro Podcasting Services. Some of them, Jonathan Oak's show, for instance, Trivial Warfare, literally at the end of the thing, it says, this episode was edited by me. Joel Sharpton, if you need help on your podcast, go to propodcastingservices.com. You know, I've got a little ad at the end of it, a credit at the end of, the, of every show. Um, in the world of Wondery, when you've got 40 people on the team that created the show, it's a lot harder to do that. At the award show, those people will be acknowledged. You know, over the course of several years, you'll get great sound designers highlighted and we'll learn their names. You know, uh, the, the engineers, the people who are out there on the street recording uh, sound effects and, and B-roll audio and things like that. We'll learn those people's names over time as they bubble up to the top of the industry. That would be a good effect of this. My thing was this, the announcement, the timing, the way that it rolled out at Podcast Movement Evolutions in, in the space where we've now had two years, two full years since there's been an award show with Podcast Movement, one that we had, as an industry and as a community had really mm -hmm. grown to love and support. Many of us were involved as members of the Academy voting on the awards on a yearly basis. Many of our colleagues and friends are Hall of Famers now and had been recognized for their contributions early in the pioneering days of podcasting. And the fact that that had all been laid dormant and why there was no money behind it. Right. That, I mean, everybody had heard that the award show had stopped because we couldn't get sponsorship. And that makes sense. I wasn't mad at Dan and Jared or at podcast movement for not running something and losing money on it. I, I don't, I don't do things that put me in the hole. I understand that. But, and this is what I said to Dan. I said, you, I'd said it directly to him. I said, you cannot have gotten the word from this organization because they got a heads up. They said, hey, right. are you guys going to ever do that award show again? And Dan and Jared and Podcast Movement said, no, we're not. And they said, great, we've got this sort of similarly named thing and we want to move forward with this initiative. We're going to announce it at your show. And Dan and Jared said, awesome, looking forward to that. That's going to be a fun keynote. And no one, not Podcast Movement folks, not the Wondery folks, not the not the not any of these governors, no one considered that one line of text could have been added to any of the announcements to say the old award shows are no longer going to happen, but the Hall of Fame, as it exists, will continue eventually, and it has no connection to this organization. Literally one sentence, Jay, so. could have fixed it all. I want to read, to be fair, I want to read exactly what Dan said back to me because and, this is full and it gives some context. And before you do read that, I want to okay. present sort of the context as I know it, because I had never heard before I heard from Dan responding in some of the press, and I'm assuming to you directly, 
that the award show was done and over with, that they had no intention to do that ever again. I had heard that they weren't able to acquire a sponsor, and thus they had to put the award show on hiatus, much like the, much like the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame yes. was similar. They could not find a sponsor for the Hall of Fame ceremony, and so they had to put that on hiatus. That is yes. all I had heard about that. And now it has come to light that they never intended to bring back the awards, um, and, but it does appear that they do still want to move forward with the Hall of Fame. And quite honestly, yeah. you can't dissolve a Hall of Fame once you're, <laughs> once you're bestowed an honor. So, like so that's, that. the, that's the thing. And, I, and, and I've seen people reacting to, to, to my anger about this. And like, you don't have any skin in the game. You're not in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not. But people I look up to and respect are the people, many of the people who are integral in my getting into podcasting in the first place are in that Hall of Fame. And the thing that I love so much about it is that there were names in those 25 plus or so that have been inducted so far that I didn't know. But when I looked at their list of credits, when I looked at what they had done in the space, I it was an acknowledgement to hidden work. We just talked about Carrie wanting to make sure that these endless lists of people who have done such good work are acknowledged and praised and recognized. That's what the Hall of Fame was. Yeah. So here's my thing. If, if It could have been as simple as that one line of text and none of us would have been mad, honestly. And, he, and the, the real thing is, Jay, that one line of text didn't even have to mean anything. It could have literally just been lip service. We don't know what podcast movement will eventually do with the hall of fame we don't know that this new organization the podcasters uh, the podcast academy will actually recognize any independence eventually but they could have said it and we would have been less mad about it so here's what here's what dan said in response to me and my specific because here's at this point until i got addressed from from him or from jared i really felt like there were two ways that this could have happened. Either it was just a simple overlook. They literally didn't consider us and our feelings and, and they just, they just messed up. Or there was never any intention to continue the hall of fame. This was intended to replace it. And when they heard the backlash, they scrambled to say, no, 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 no. The hall of fame is coming back. It, it, I ascribed to, um, uh, you know, negativity, uh, or, 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 uh, malignants, um, what was actually just sort of, you know, not handled well, you know, it was, it was, uh, what's the word well, it was ineffectual, <clears throat> uh, planning, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to continue with the conspiracy theory. As a matter of fact, why don't you read what Dan wrote to yes, you? So yeah, that, here. because so, I was, cause I was about to subscribe to your conspiracy theory that you just, I mean, that's that you just really mentioned. what I was thinking because, because I just thought, why would you not say something? Why would you not come out immediately and go, no, oh my God, guys, I'm sorry. I didn't, oh man, we never even considered why you would think that. But yet, no, we've totally got, and they hadn't, they hadn't said anything. So here's what Dan finally said. And I think it came down to Dan and Jared were exhausted. They were caught up in the event itself, weren't really watching Facebook. And then they're like, oh God, the event's over. And they're like, wait, they're mad at us about what? <laughs> you know, that's what it came down to. So here's Dan's statement uh, in a Facebook group. He says, we, Joel, we love you and value any and all feedback, so thank you. As I've said everywhere and to anyone 
who has asked, this operation is independent of us or anything we have done. The Hall of Fame will continue as it always has been planned to, and we have ha- and we have said since the last one in 2018 that it's simply a matter of funding to keep it going. Since this announcement is unrelated to the Hall of Fame, nothing has changed since 2018 on this front. As for our awards, the last ones were held in 2017, and we said after that year that we would not continue them. They were extremely political and lost a lot of money. So for those reasons, we have said since that the, since then that they are not coming back. Since this announcement is unrelated to our awards, nothing has changed since 2017 on this front. Podcast Movement's sole connection to this announcement was that it was made on one of our stages and that the organizers of it asked us if we were planning on bringing the awards back at any time, which we told him we were not. Now, I've been very fair to Dan. I'm going to be more fair to Dan. But that right there, that's not a small connection, <laughs> right? I mean, when you're one of only right. two national podcast conferences Come on, man. It matters that they were announcing it at your event. It matters that they ran it past you ahead of time. Um, Any other connection between us, this organization, and this announcement has been made up or assumed, but either way is false. And that's that's on me. I assumed there was more connection than just it was announced on their stage. Time Um, out. Time out. Since the the announcement was not ours to make and unrelated to us, that is why there was no coordination between us and the group with their announcement. It was not ours to make or coordinate. There is more. There is more connection. And it may not be directly from this particular organization. However, look at the sponsors of Podcast Movement Evolution. Wondery, Spotify, Stitcher, PRX. All members of this organization are directly correlated and linked to Podcast Movement proper and Podcast Movement evolutions. So you cannot... I'm I'm sorry, Jared, or Dan. Uh, Dan. Sorry, yeah. Dan, and sorry, Jared, in conjunction with Dan. You cannot say you have no link to this whatsoever. When, when they're paying for the event. Be- exactly. And, and conversely, I understand the difficult position that you're in, putting on an event for podcasters of all types and understanding that that event costs money. Money is the key word here. It's why it's in the title of today's show, and it's why it's going to be talked about excessively here as we move forward, because it is all about money. The reason why independent pod, and we've talked about this, remember, when you get advertising for your podcast, that magic number is... 10, 20, 30,000. And as we have discussed, based on the stats that have been brought to us, courtesy of Rob Walsh, that's 3% of the podcasting place. And as we will learn from Daniel J. Lewis with the 850 plus thousand podcasts that are currently in Apple, 3% of 850 is a very small number in comparison to what 97% of 850 is. And ultimately, that's where everything lies. You have to serve. You, you have people that you have to serve. You have to serve your sponsors and you have to serve the people that are paying to attend your event. And you have to balance that accordingly. In this particular instance, Dan and Jared dropped the ball. Or somebody did. I mean, and ultimately that comes to them as, as the right. faces of the organization. Right. Dan know? and Jared dropped the ball. Hernan, I'm extremely disappointed in, has dropped the ball. I mean, Hernan, for for the most part, has never done something like this where he's completely ignored the history of podcasting. And ultimately, Hernan, coming from a film and television background, 
You've seen movies like this. All you need to do, all that these people were looking for is the acknowledgement. Yeah, man. Right? All you had to do was, you didn't even have to include people. You could have kept the board exactly the way that you currently have it, but acknowledge the fact that podcasting was created by Dave Weiner and Adam Curry, both Hall of Famers. And then it was built on from there from pioneers like Todd Cochran and Rob Walsh at Libsyn and others, Elsie uh, 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 Escobar, who was put into the last Hall of Fame and has made a huge name for herself and has made big strides with a lot of these corporations. All you needed to do was just have that acknowledgement and it didn't exist. Furthermore, oh, Sorry, Hernan. Well, the one other, I, I, just I, on that same sort of point that you were saying, that, that there is more of a connection with, with podcast movement than, than Dan lets on there a little bit. Here's the other thing, Jay. The announcement doesn't say specifically where and when the event will be held. You know, there's going to be an awards event, an actual event. Starts next year in 2021. It's going to be early in the year, though, and it's going to be held in L.A. What event is early in the calendar year? And as we know, going to continue to be held in L.A. Oh, Podcast Movement Evolutions. Do, I mean, like, doesn't it just make sense that since all these companies are there and going to be there and represented and all their people are going to be there, that you'd have the event in conjunction with Podcast Movement Evolutions? Like, they didn't say that, but you know they're going to. You know what else happens early in the year in L.A.? The podcast upfronts. And all those companies are there. And all those companies happen to be very well representative on this board of governors. There's a lot of links that goes on. But furthermore, Hernan contradicted himself in his own speech, which uh, I don't know if you had a speechwriter or someone who had looked over it, but you got to be careful of these types of contradictions when people are going to start breaking down these announcements. And to Hernan's credit, he has done a fantastic job of putting out as many fires as he possibly can. It's a huge raging forest fire right now from uh, what I can see on social media. And, and Hernan has been very apologetic about some of the oversights that have occurred. However, let's just start with the speech. And it started with this parable of a podcast paradise, which, by the way, brings up other images of certain podcasters in the podcasting space, and aliens. And the OG podcasters ask the aliens, why are you here? And the aliens happen to bring all of their agents and talent and brands and whatever. And they say, well, we heard your complaints. <laughs> and, and so Hernan sort of says that because of this, with the aliens coming in and the OG podcasters having this sort of, you know, non-meeting of the minds, that this is that this will help sort of guide that forward. And that's sort of where you've missed the point. Like the OG podcasters are here and are still here. They haven't gone anywhere. They're still here. And they're still very much looking looked up to. As Dave Jackson wrote in his article, uh, in his piece, uh, they come with an army. <laughs> and when you make the OG mad, you make the army mad. And then you're left with, well, now you don't have any represent representation there. And maybe you don't want it. Maybe all along you don't you don't really care. Because again, what what is ultimately gonna drive the success of this organization? Money. And you can say that it's a nonprofit and, and all of this, but ultimately your members are gonna want profit. 
and your members are going to expect that by becoming a member of your organization, they're going to make profit in the business that they're in. Because if they're not making profit, they're not going to continue to be members of the organization. And that's sort of where <laughs> the 97% is a much larger number than the 3%. Even though the 3% might have all the money now, ultimately that money's got to trickle down. It has to. There's just not enough inventory otherwise. Uh, one of the other things that Hernan said in the speech, uh, he was listing some of the things that podcasting have, and he mentioned uh, podcasts can still be produced and launched by a single person with enough drive, talent, and motivation. It goes without saying, though, <laughs> he doesn't say though, it goes without saying that I believe that in every area of life, including podcasts, a team of talented people can achieve more than a single talented person can. He literally contradicted himself in two sentences. Later on in, in his speech, he says, Today, a podcast made by a single person can sit alongside a podcast made by a company like Wondery or even a bigger company like NPR and beat us on the charts. They're even justified to feel chartenfreud. <clears throat> the feeling of satisfaction you get when someone else's podcast is low on the charts. You feel it, right? And it's close cousin ratingfreud which doesn't need an explanation. For the record, I never feel that. Again, I'm quoting directly from the speech because I do want this competition to continue. I do want independent voices to thrive, to be able to create their own podcast, get a massive audience, and decide for themselves whether they want to sell their ads directly, partner with a company like ours or Stitcher, or make their show exclusive to a paywall, get donations through Patreon, be part of a bundle like Wondery Plus, or any combination period. He put two ads for his company in that statement, Joel. Not one, two. It's your show. You should decide on what you want to do with it. But we podcast makers, even though we do have lots of things going for us, we don't have everything. He, he knew the audience that he was speaking to in the room. I think very clearly, I think he was again, just ignorant of the audience he was speaking to more broadly. Joel, as I like to do, I, I like to liken things to sports. I'm very much part of the sports uh, genre. I'm a very big Boston fan. Boston Red Sox most recently traded away one of the biggest stars in baseball, Mookie Betts. The fan base is kind of not happy with the way things have played out in, in terms of the trade and what was returned in the trade. And yesterday, the front office of the Red Sox had their annual sort of state of the team address at spring training. And one of the, <laughs> one of the reporters asked one of the front office men, you know, now that you're cutting some of this salary to get underneath the luxury tax, are you going to be cutting ticket prices? Now, we can argue about whether or not that was a legit question to be asked or whether teams, if they're cutting their salary cap, should be cutting their ticket prices. That's a completely different story. However, in the sense of this particular story, <laughs> the front office man then says, you know, there's this misperception out there in the fan base that every Red Sox game is sold out. And I just want to tell them that it's not. We still have plenty of packages available. Like, Wait a second, you just traded away your biggest star and now you're going to sell the fan base on packages that are available to come and see the team? Like, whoa, have you completely, do you not know your audience? Like, you've missed the mark entirely. 
and, and that's a little bit of what happened here. Like the mark was completely missed. Now, as you mentioned, podcast movement evolutions might've been geared towards a completely different audience than we're used to at podcast movement. And we admittedly were not there. And we admittedly are probably more part of the audience that wasn't there than was there. Yeah, we're well. I mean, you and I definitely. Although you you said beautifully, I think before we actually started recording, how how you are an interesting thing because literally half your career has been spent as a uh, a, a, a corporate entity, part of the corporate entity, one of the, one of these big houses, and then half your career has been spent focusing on independent creators. Um, uh, your podcasting career, I should say, you know, and and so you do sit in an interesting place. But your current space is independent producers. My current space is independent producers, uh, and and that is, yeah, that's definitely the the bias that we come to this with. But at the same time, man, like, and again, it's I I contributed to malice. What was actually just you know, a failure, I think, in retrospect. that's We have to take these guys at their word that Hernan just didn't think about it. And he's you're right. He said basically all the right things since the kerfuffle started. Dan basically said all the right things there. Hey, if I had it to do over again, if I knew how you guys would feel about it, we absolutely would have made sure that we made it clear that this wasn't connected to the Hall of Fame, et cetera, et cetera. But, Jay, just going back, you mentioned the IPA, the International Podcast Association, disbanding this week. Why not pick up the remnants of that group or, or even, okay, let's set them aside because let's say that Hernan and this, and the, this board of governors doesn't know those folks. They don't have any connection to the folks that were behind the IPA. Okay. But there exists a current podcast Academy or there did, it was dormant instead of just taking sort of the name and announcing it in the same space why not a true partnership and say, let's take the the organization that existed. A similar looking website, Hall by the way, famers. too. Yes. Let's take those 25 <laughs> Hall of Famers and make them part of the of the governing body of the founding principles of this organization. What do we want to focus on in podcasting? And I think either one of those avenues, absorbing the IPA or absorbing the um, the the original group here uh, that was part of podcast movement, either one of those would have set this group up in a better position to be believed and to be bought into by the independent producer like you and I. Um, anecdotally, I've talked to several people who have jumped through the hoops and who have applied you know, for the newsletter or said, hey, I'm interested as soon as membership is available. I got my credentials ready. I'd love to talk with you all. Uh, it, the membership fee is going to be pretty reasonable. Hernan says it's going to be somewhere around $100. There'll be a discount if you sign up early, basically, in, of some sort. So for those of us that are hungry to be a part of this, it looks like we will have an opportunity. And yet, my confidence that it'll be anything more than lip service paid to me and others like me and you is very low because of the way that all of this was started. Well, and it could and, have been much, much higher. And Hernan mentions that the $100 membership sign-up fee is only about a quarter of the revenue for the organization. Where's the other three quarters coming from? He mentions it'll come from fundraising, from sponsorships. I just, if only a quarter is coming from the membership, that means there's an opportunity for the message of the organization to be led by other entities the money, that aren't the, three the membership. Quarters. 
exactly. Yeah, the three quarters of revenue. That's that's where the that's what the leadership is going to be. Exactly. <laughs> there was a dis- there was a discussion about uh, there being a lack of training in the podcast mm. landscape. Now, Carrie at PRX has mentioned that they have put out some sticky courses, which you can go online and you can do you can go through PRX training, and I. I'm not sure if there's a nominal fee for that or if they're free. I know I think they have a combination of both that you can have some paid training and some free training. Uh, Hernan, this is again Hernan, where you need to know your history. Hernan contends that the BBC has the best training courses that that exist in the world, and that there isn't an equivalent in the United States. Public radio is the birthplace of quality audio storytelling because commercial radio just didn't have a place for it. I'll. I'm just gonna let that stand on it on its own, and I can tell you right now that radio today, perhaps doesn't on commercial radio doesn't have quality audio storytelling as we have seen in podcasts and perhaps even on NPR. However, radio is a lot older than today, yeah. and quality audio storytelling did not develop out of national public radio. There were great quality audio storytellers that became huge stars and actually moved on into television from the radio medium. So it's again, it's a history thing. As you mentioned earlier, Jay, too, there is a long history and a huge infrastructure of actual training real collegiate courses, higher education in the broadcast field. Not to mention the performing arts space, which which has uh, something to say about storytelling and and the audio world as well. That's the world that I come from is the performing arts world. And, um, you know, but my theater degree and my theater background were a big part of, of what I brought to radio when I first joined the radio world. And then my love of radio, my love of storytelling is what led me to branch out into podcasting. These things are not they didn't develop independently from one another. Uh, and there is a, there is a massive sense of amnesia about our industry and about our medium, uh, from the people that are currently driving the narrative. And that is incredibly frustrating for those of us who have been around longer than a hot minute, (laughs) you know? Well, and, and by the way, that history is something that I learned at Emerson College. It was, I specifically went to Emerson College for a degree in audio production management creation. That's, I mean, that's literally my degree is mass communications audio. I have a bachelor's of science in mass communications slash audio, which is not a degree that exists anymore at Emerson. However, they have furthered their uh, their education to quantify exactly what facets of audio that you can get your degree in. Uh, they are a performing arts college. Syracuse University literally litters the media with their alum. Uh, there's not one single broadcast organization you can find that doesn't have multiple people from Syracuse University. Uh, and there are plenty of others. The, the, plenty of other quality universities and colleges that are out there that exist that focus entirely on broadcast media slash storytelling. It just, to me, it blows my mind. Dave Jackson further put it, I think, even better uh, when when we talk about the lack of training in the space. Uh, Dave Jackson says, quote, 
He also stated there had been a lack of education in the podcasting space, which I found odd sitting at a conference where people were learning how to podcast, and there have been many websites geared toward helping people plan and launch their podcast. I mean, you're literally at the event that is teaching people how to podcast. To be to be even fairer, Jay, Dave Dave Jackson's brand is the school of podcasting. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. He's he's been teaching people uh, how to podcast for a long time. I what he mean, but but it, we do understand what he means. What he means is uh, standards and practices. What we have now is like uh, it's interesting because I've been researching a lot lately about the early church, the early Christian church. Lately, that's one of my current topics of interest on YouTube and stuff. And one of the things that I've been reading a lot about and, and watching a lot about is the canon, the form, formalization of the canon, right? Which books actually belong in the Bible. And I feel like we're kind of at that state where we have these different fiefdoms, these little bishops yes. all over in different places. And these different bishops have their different opinion on the right way to do things. And what this organization, what the IPA was trying to do, what other organizations before it, we're going to talk about Tom Webster in a little while. He was a member of an organization several years ago that tried the same thing. What we want is an industry group. We want an industry group, an industry-wide organization of some sort to help us formulize a canon effectively, you know? And the problem with that is it does require money. Uh, this board of governors apparently will be volunteers. Uh, so they, uh, I'm assuming, are going to have non-paid positions mm -hmm. as this board of governors. There will be an executive director and an account manager. I'm guessing that the person that emailed me back is the account manager <laughs> uh, because I did apply uh, and found out that they are not open for registration at this particular time, which is odd because that's not what Hernan said. Hernan said that the website is there. You can go and apply to register to be a part of this now. Uh, and that apparently is not the case. However, I can request to get newsletter updates as to uh, how things are going and how things are developing with the particular academy, which I probably will just to keep an eye on it. However, I have, after all of this, I have really soured uh, on, on the whole concept uh, and I don't trust it. Uh, and there, I haven't been given any reason to trust it. And yeah. I know Dan, Dan has said out there that we should all sort of take the wait and see approach in regards to this particular organization and we shouldn't be burning it down. Uh, we shouldn't be jumping on it and attacking it. Um, I believe the, the real truth is in the middle. Um, we should be highlighting what is good about what they're saying, but we should be highlighting what is bad about what has occurred with this so that we can learn from the mistakes of this launch. And there are been plenty of mistakes as we have already highlighted and there's still plenty more. You're absolutely right. I want to get to Tom Webster's article here in a minute because that's he's his the biggest mistake in podcasting is the headline there. Uh, but very quickly, the one last thing I want to say about this, even see, and this this goes, this is the kind of thing that should have told me. Again, it's not malice. It was just sort of a failure and oversight. The things that I had a problem with this organization and this announcement largely because even w the award, the awards are going to be called the Golden Mics. There already exists an award show called The Golden right. Mics. It's about 70 years old. Uh, they give it to radio and television news. It's the Radio and Television News Association of Southern California. Like, they've done a Golden Mic Award every year for 70 years now. Like, come on. Come on, man. Like, you know, perhaps the, one of the more surprising voices that I've heard that have been sort of negative about the announcement, Nick Qua. 
uh, from the Hot Pod. Uh, mm. Today's Hot Pod. Uh, has written, quote, in a fascinating parallel to broader platform monopoly worries, these concerns about the Academy appear to be another expression of a more elemental fear, the power in podcasting, historically valued for its decentralized nature where any creator could ostensibly build a following and a business without having to negotiate with gatekeepers would be consolidated in the hands of a relative few by virtue of this academy. In other words, there exists some theoretical concern that the podcast academy represents the formation of a true gatekeeper. I think gatekeeper is the, is the right phrase and the right term here for what a lot of the fear has, you know, sprung up where a lot of the fear has sprung up. Uh, he has included a little bit later on uh, who legitimately, quote unquote, gets to represent podcasting is less clear. If you subscribe to the theory of legitimacy based on industry shaping force, that lack of clarity rises from the fact that we're at a moment where the podcast ecosystem's underlying power dynamic has never been more fluid. Spotify versus Apple, how podcast advertising is understood and sold, et cetera, et cetera, and that the future of those things are still being fought over. Sure, any individual actor can step forward and attempt to claim legitimacy, but such attempts will likely be rendered inert fairly quickly. One such example of this would be iHeartMedia's own attempt at a podcast award ceremony, now in the second year, which has raised eyebrows not only because we're talking about an award system where the facility Facilitator is also a competitor, thus evoking questions over the robustness, integrity, and trustworthiness of its process, but also because we're talking about a company that has yet to establish strong association with the core identity of podcasting in the broader culture. What is key to this, and again, it sort of links back to what Dave Jackson said, is Hernan and Wondery have been involved in the iHeart Podcast Awards. He was specifically asked about the iHeart Podcast Awards uh, during the announcement, during the Q&A session of the announcement. He didn't really answer it, but you could see there was like a smirk and sort of a wink and sort of a, I'm not really going to talk about that, but I 100% agree with what you're saying right now about the iHeart Podcast Awards. And it's just, when you when you look at it and you talk about, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that it was just clearly an oversight. I don't think, it was clearly an oversight. I think this is very, I think they had a very calculated idea. I don't think they understood the amount of backlash they were going to receive. That I think is super clear at this particular point in time. Nobody expected the backlash to be as strong and as fierce as it has been. Yes. Yes. I think I, I, I look, I'm just, it could have, this whole thing could have been a positive step for podcasting as a whole and it wasn't in the end what it what it did was add to this cloud of fear resentment misunderstanding the questions of divisiveness and a coming stratification of the podcast space you know that's that's what this added to instead of helping alleviate any of those things and i think hernan and 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 dan and jared and and everybody involved in the announcement that's what I that's what I want to see not done the next time. Right? So whatever the next step is, when we get to the Hall of Fame again. I I was kind of skimming through Dan's article, by the way. Kind of sounds like Dan is saying the next Hall of Fame is going to be at Evolutions too, not the main podcast movement event. Because he said, within the next 12 months, I think we will already have inducted our next class. He didn't say there's going to be one at Podcast Movement. 
But within 12 think, months, we will have already inducted our next class. I think it happens next year at the pod. I think it happens no. either see, at this award ceremony or at Podcast Movement Evolutions. I infer from that that they need to get on this so that it happens at Podcast Movement proper in July. That's what I, I infer so. out of that statement. I hope but so. I could I could see where you see it differently. And I will say this, too, about James Cridlin, uh, who constantly – I want to word this properly because James does great work. However, James is not completely uh, neutral in all of this either. He is on the board of uh, or advisors to a podcast hosting company. He has other uh, interests involved in the podcasting space. His list of sponsors. Aren't some of these, I was going to say, aren't some of these companies sponsors for him? Probably. His list of sponsors is quite dramatic. Uh, before you get to Tom, uh, he is also, James is also emceeing uh, a keynote panel uh, to a Rain Podcast Business Summit. Uh, and that keynote panel will be talking about making audio businesses with artistry, vision, and enterprise. Tom Webster, whom you're going to bring up, is going to be doing a first look at podcast research from the Infinite Dial at this particular event, which is happening on March 4th in New York City. I've attended this event in the past. It is very much business-driven. Uh, Conal Byrne, uh, president of the iHeart Podcast Network, will be a featured uh, speaker. Uh, also, podcast attribution gets real. Uh, <laughs> that is a That is a key concern of a lot of the people that are attending this particular event the science of podcast advertising creating and selling podcasts um oh shoot i have a much better list of people that are speaking and what they're speaking on but i don't have it available to me right this second but my point is is a lot of these same people are going to have a very much big interest in the podcast academy or the podcast academy ding 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 i'm sending this out there to you right now should have a very big interest in what's being said and what's being talked about at this particular event cuz these are this is where the money is and i and i think i said this when we first started this show my whole point is to help and provide the proper perspective on a lot of these stories that you read in all of these trades and understand what drives it all and in this particular case it is all about the money you have to follow the money and you have to understand where the money is. And when you understand that you're part of the 97% where the money ain't, then you are going to be completely ignored. It's just that simple. But at the same time, as you're about to talk about with Tom's article, there we have attempted to create a group that would give us a voice. And there's so much infighting with these fiefdoms, as you've put it. Joel, that it just it it's difficult to make something like this exist. There's also a lot of words and not a lot of action, right? I, I see Rob Greenley out there speaking out a lot, and he admittedly has said, I've been flapping my gums about making an organization like this for years, but he never did. Or or if he's been a part of it, it's always failed. Tom Webster, as you as you're about to bring up. Mentioned he was part of a group that ultimately ended up failing. Todd Cochran has been a member of a group that has ultimately failed. And and it comes back to the uh, not not the IPA, but the IAB, right? 
and the way that we measure podcasting and how many different groups were involved in that and the conflict that they had just to come up with one single way to count the pizza slices. It just, you know... And there's, as we've discussed on the show, there's still controversy with that. There are groups right. that think it's not fair that you have to pay effectively to to go through the process, pay so much, the barriers to entry are so high, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I, yeah, it's it's a complicated issue, and we understand it. Um, here's here's what I'll say to this: If you've been listening to this episode and you didn't go through all the rigmarole of this kerfuffle, you kind of maybe you're like Jay, you sat back and and missed the beginnings of it. Um, I think if you wanted to, you could very easily listen to our discussion of it and just read the Tom Webster article. And I think you'd have a pretty good grasp on everything that happened in everybody's sides of it. Tom Webster does a great summation of it. And it's not even his main point in the article, which is really interesting. Uh, shame on Tom for writing on medium.com again. I'm going to slap him on the, the wrist for that one. But the article is called <laughs> Podcasting's Biggest Mistake. Um, and just in general, he talks about his feeling leaving podcast movement evolutions, uh, which was a little uneasy. He said he felt a lot of unease, fear, uh, disagreement, divisiveness. He came away a little, little sad after the, after the whole trip, and he explains why. But here's the crux of the article. This is what I want to talk about specifically. If you look at the history of our major forms of media, they all follow a similar pattern. Distribution costs necessarily place control of those media in the hands of the few, until technology disrupts that media, lowers the cost of production and distribution, and democratizes those media. Television was in the hands of the big three networks for years, until cable made it viable for many other small channels to thrive, and then the internet made cat videos possible. <laughs> big TV gave birth to the independents, who continued to disrupt the space via YouTube and other low-barrier-to-entry tools. The printed word used to be dominated by large city newspapers until the internet made us stop caring about paper or even cities. And radio was also disrupted by the internet in irrevocable ways. I had my own internet radio station on Live 365 back in 1999, and as you may have guessed, I made a bloody fortune with it. In all of the above cases, the medium started with money and then became democratized. But in podcasting, it's different. And this is a crucial thing for both camps to realize. Podcasting sprang from the loins of radio, that's true, but over the course of about 11 years, from 2004 to 2014, it became its own dog. There was no big podcasting. You can argue about NPR in This American Life, but really the audience sizes were nowhere near where they are today, so it's hard to think of anyone in the first 11 years of podcasting as big podcasting. Podcasting is a guerrilla medium, is his point. And the gorillas are still here. Hmm. We're all still in the jungle. <laughs> and, and the colonial overlords have now come and planted their flag. And they're pissed that we keep burning it down. But I got news for them. Until they acknowledge the gorillas and begin to work with us, we're going to burn every single one of their flags down. <laughs> like, that's, that's what's true. These large initiatives, you're right in that our small initiatives have failed because we don't have the time and the monetary resources to pour into them. The IPA was a bunch of individuals that are all struggling to make their own jobs work. And there was no individual in that group, no uh, entity in that group that could pour money and focus purely in to that organization. These folks come from corporations who have a surplus of manpower and money to throw at lots of things 
organization and structure of the industry as a whole is one of those things. But the lesson of Vietnam, the lesson of Afghanistan is that you can't, you can't destroy guerrilla warfare. You can't beat it with colonialization. You have to come to terms with the local populace. And this is, a, you, you, there's no digital smallpox to wipe us out, right? Okay. You can't, you can't drop, can't drop dirty blankets and get rid of the natives. That's not a thing that can happen. So what I'm saying is we're here and we're going to be here and we're going to be a part of this industry. We're going to be a part of this medium moving forward. And we will only make waves and problems for you if we're not acknowledged. That's what I'm saying. So I, th- I think you're right. The headline of this piece is that the, you know, the big companies put their money where their mouth is. Um, the rich put their money where their mouths are. We haven't been putting our money where our mouths are, but we will continue to spill our blood, sweat, and tears over it, though. And that's not changing anytime soon. And they're not going to steamroll us. They're, they're just not. We've talked about it before. We'll, we'll go hide in the hills, right? If they take over Apple Podcasts and Spotify and lock us out somehow, Overcast still exists. Pocket Cast is going to exist. Castro is going to exist. And we'll distribute our stuff there. You can't, you can't, you can't stop the flow. So they need to absorb us. They need to acknowledge us. They need to reach out and cooperate and bring in true independence to the fold, or this is going to be another failed effort, just like Tom's uh, effort from you know two thousand eight or so. And and I'll just go back to that point. It was it was simply a matter of acknowledgement. That's all that was necessary to make this fly a little bit better than what it did. Could have avoided the ginormous forest fire that occurred afterwards with a simple acknowledgement of what happened before Wondery existed, before uh, NPR existed, before PRX existed. And there's plenty of stuff that existed before those, before those entities. And, you know, Spotify getting involved with this and Sony Music getting involved in this, these are brand new players, right? These these people these are not people that have been involved with the podcast <laughs> with the podcasting space for years and years and years. Spotify has only been involved in this space for what now? Two, three years? I mean, I guess you could maybe make an argument that they were poking around and asking questions three or four years ago, but yeah, it's very it's new. It's very new. And and Sony Music, we just literally have read the articles saying how much they're getting involved in the space. Now, like, but they don't really, I mean, they don't really have a footprint really right now, do they? There's, there's nothing really. I mean, the only thing I can to. think of with Sony is, so I did listen to a, um, oh, gosh, what was the name? It was, it's it, the, Sony Music has a specific podcast I listened to a couple of episodes of uh, because they did an episode about um, The Redheaded Stranger, the album by Willie Nelson. I'm trying to think if I can find the name of that show, but it's it's basically like, it's not the manifesto, but it's something like, I'll see if I can find it, and we'll bring it up later. But that's one. That's one podcast I've ever heard of from from Sony Music. But but my point is, is they're really just getting involved in the space now. They haven't been around for 15 years, which is when this first was invented. And yes, 15 years isn't even all that long in the grand scheme of things. But the people that were here from the beginning that are still here, 
should be voices that you reach out to and you discuss these things with. Now, yes, there are problems with having conversations with Todd Cochran that sort of lead Todd Cochran for, for all of the good that he has done. He has warts. He admittedly, he self-admittedly has those warts. He he's written apologies online to the way that he's come off, especially to new podcasters in the space. Uh, Rob Walsh has similar, same things with, with, getting involved with a person like Rob Walsh in this space. There are agendas that exist beyond just what this particular agenda is. And oftentimes those agendas don't cross. They run on parallel paths and someone somewhere needs to find where those paths can cross and can cohabitate the space peacefully. As you put it, the independents are just going to continue to burn down the flags that get that get put up. Well, there's no reason for that to happen if you just acknowledge the existence, their their existence, period. Just all you have to do is acknowledge it. You don't have to pay it. You don't have to lose any money over it. You just have to acknowledge it. And that's, I think, where part of the problem lies is there's just simply no acknowledgement from these new companies coming in, you know, even to the point where I saw in the podcast Business Journal, um, the, the head of iHeartRadio, Bob Pittman, who famously said that podcasting is radio's birthright. Uh, he was, uh, a keynoter at the podcast movement evolution and he didn't address that whatsoever. Just sort of talked about how excited he is about the podcasting space and how whatever we think podcasting is going to be, it can be much larger. He sees it as something that will be. Uh, a much bigger entity than we can even dream of at this particular point in time. And that's great. That's that's definitely something that we've all believed for a number of years, probably since the inception of podcasting 15 years ago. Glad it took you 15 years, Mr. Pittman, to get on board with that idea. But you still haven't talked about that one time you said podcasting is radio's birthright. And it leads to a distrust. It's it's something where um, I saw recently, the again, let's bring it back to sports. The Houston Astros have been involved in this huge cheating scandal. And the owner of the Astros came out and said, uh, I apologize. Well, why are you apologizing? Because we got caught is essentially what he said. <laughs> he wasn't apologizing for the fact that they actually did this thing that they've been accused and found guilty of. He just apologized because they got caught. And I feel like that's the same thing that's going on. It is. It is absolutely the same thing that's going on here. And, um, yeah, it's just frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating. It's just should have, it just should have been handled better. It just should have been handled better. Jay, I know you got a hard out. So let's move very quickly to, uh, Daniel J. Lewis and the podcasting industry stats. This is from mypodcastreviews.com. The link is in the show notes, uh, and, um, data courtesy of Daniel J. Lewis. Before we get to the actual data for this week, I wanted though, to say hi to Daniel for becoming yes, a new subscriber so to the that. show. Hey, Dan. uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel uh, uh, hit us up on Twitter this week. He said uh, he just subscribed to Always Listening. He was um, thanking us for mentioning his stats in the episode. And so I pointed out, I said, man, yeah, we're talking about him every week. Thanks so much for doing the heavy lifting. Um, and 
he told us that he's going to be expanding it later this year. Uh, in particular, he said that there is a plan for working on Spotify data too. That's why the top of the page isn't Apple podcast statistics. It's podcast industry statistics. Good forethought on his part. Um, you mentioned that you find it amazing that there's no discernible pattern so far. We've looked at this a little bit. You and I haven't spent a lot of time going back and like tracking it, putting it on a spreadsheet or something, but it is, we're looking at it every week here, talking about it on the show, and it is very difficult to find uh, ongoing patterns. The interesting thing to me is he said that he is not clear whether the, whether the interesting spikes are based on actual data or whether it's delayed caching for the API. Because the other thing mm. is he's, he's pulling these numbers from Apple. There's no, he's got no direct access. He doesn't have the, the Apple servers bugged or anything, right? So it's what they're reporting. And their reporting may be in batches as opposed to real time. So that's the one thing to acknowledge there. Um, he usually says he sees more uh, new entries on Fridays, but you know sometimes there are no podcasts added on a Friday, which you would think if Friday is a common day to have the biggest spike of the week, then to have none on a Friday would be again, it makes me think he's probably right in that there is some caching of the data involved and we're getting those in bunches sometimes that has less to do with when they're actually added to the directory. Well, to that point, this past week, uh, we noticed uh, or we can see that every single day there were podcasts removed. Only Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday of the past week were podcasts added. Monday should be noted was a holiday. Now, I don't know if it was a company holiday for for everybody or including Apple, but uh, that would mean that would lead me to believe why there weren't so many podcasts added on Monday, which would be the day after a long weekend where you would assume a lot of people are probably getting their work done and applying to be added to the Apple podcast directory. Uh, the biggest spike this past week was Wednesday, though, not Friday, going into that long weekend. Uh, so again, it'll be interesting to see what the spike will be on Tuesday next week, which is technically the day we're recording this. Um, so yeah, it's a, again, like we said, there doesn't appear to be a discernible pattern that we can really glean any sort of real information off of this, but we are up to 886,825 total valid podcasts in the Apple podcast directory. That is 29,407,113 total episodes available in feeds. Uh, and uh, Daniel says that currently, according to his definition of active, which means have to have at least published one episode in the last 90 days, uh, he says 57.56% of those 886,000 and change are inactive and only 42.44% are active by his definition. I think that's gone up pretty significantly since we've been watching this too. The active podcast, it was, I think it was pretty, it was smaller than, than 40% uh, when we began, I'm pretty sure. Um, but again, to me, the interest, the super interesting thing will be when we can add the Spotify numbers and we start tracking that total valid podcasts in the Apple podcast directory versus total valid podcasts in the Spotify directory. Because I do think there's something to be said about podcasts that are still valid but are no longer pursued in any way by their creators or no longer promoted in any way by their creators. And I think being in Spotify 
you've you've said there's lots of reasons not to be in Spotify, so that's not the whole number. But I think most of the number, the difference between Spotify directory and Apple directory, will be those current podcasters, effectively the people who have right. faded out of the industry altogether. So. Anyway, good numbers. Thank you, Daniel, for the hard work. Thanks for, for filling us in on some of the background on that, too. It was really interesting to hear he is thinking about Spotify and, and the issues with the caching of the API data and things like that. It's just stuff that we hadn't considered. Yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be excited to see some of those expansions. He also noted, because uh, we said we'd love to see a week-by-week -week comparison, and he's planning mm -hmm. on adding that as well. Thanks, Dan. We, <laughs> we appreciate you being a producer of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Jay, I what real quick before we say our goodbyes, which I was about to tell you to give your contact info and tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. But I want to say this: I am I I really like and respect almost all of the folks that we have mentioned here today, even the ones that we talked about things that they did that we feel are blunders. Uh, I love Dan and Jared personally. I, I they've been very good to me. Yes. You've talked in the past about Jared Easley specifically, and and some of the things that he's done for you personally. Um, the organization podcast movement. We're both big, big fans of our careers are in large part based off of relationships that we've made and continued to strengthen through podcast movement and other conferences like PodFest too. Hernan and the rest of this board of governors, they've done a lot of good work in this space. I don't think these are, are bad players. I don't think these are people who are trying to break the space. I think there are people who want to come and play in our space uh, in, a, in a more broad way than they already have been. However, we can always try to be better. We, we can triangulate towards uh, a more fulfilling and diverse um, industry for all of us. And that's, that's all I'm trying to do by, by raising my flag and, and, and waving my hand over here to say, hey, let's, let's listen to a different perspective. Um, so that's what I wanted to do today. I think we did a pretty good job of it. I hope you feel the same way listening to it. Make sure that you check out the show notes. Don't just take our word for it. Read some of these articles. Go through other people's thoughts and opinions and, and triangulate your own, um, you know, opinion on these things watch the video of the announcement yeah for yourself yeah, listen to hernan's words don't just take the the yeah just don't take the reading you know just don't take the summaries of other people watch the video for yourself make your own judgment based on what you can see and hear with your own eyes and your own ears uh i think that's extremely important in all this and to echo what you just said 100 percent. i do not have a disliking or a hatred for any of the people that I've talked about getting criticism from anyone can be extremely difficult to handle. Trust mm. me. I don't deal with criticism very well on my own, but at some point it, it's, it's something that you do kind of have to hear. Uh, you can't just hear the, Oh, you're, you're great all the time. You, you got to hear the negative that goes along with the positive and you have to take it however you need to take it, it whether it's with a grain of salt or, you wholeheartedly embrace it. Uh, I can give you a wonderful story of a man I used to work for, Andy Toe, who took criticism from Dave Jackson and made it his business objective. He literally took the list that Dave Jackson had written about Blog Talk Radio, posted it on the wall at Blog Talk Radio offices and said, we need to work on all of these points and get them fixed ASAP. And so, yes, criticism can be hard to take. It's obviously very easy to give, but at the same time, understand that it is simply there to sort of highlight where we can, where we see things can be done in a better manner. And it doesn't mean that we have all the answers because God knows I don't, but it does mean that there is a different point of view that you missed in 
the initial thing that you did. Uh, absolutely. That, that was well said. All right, Jay, let's get out of here. Uh, if someone in particular, if they're a sports, uh, college sports podcaster, they're interested in maybe talking to you about Locked On Sports and what you're doing over there, how do they get in touch with you? Locked On Podcast Network, you can reach out to me via email, podvader at lockedonpodcasts.com, or you can reach me on Twitter at the Real Pod Vader. My DMs are open, so I'm very easy to get in contact with. Uh, you can find me at joelsharpton.com or at propodcastingservices.com. You can find me on Twitter at The Rogues Life or for my professional account, podcasting underscore pro. And you can find us both here next week with more of our rabid ideas and opinions on the podcasting space uh, at alwayslisteningpod.com. Hey, if you want to sponsor the show, by the way, uh, we'll be glad to have some new biases brought in <laughs> with sponsorship dollars. Um, you can check that out. There's a link in the show notes, too. Until next week, we've been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay, and I suppose I just spent my two cents. <laughs> and we are always listening. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Raven. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.